Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Today's the big day, the big day that Donald Trump is arraigned at, well, I guess it's the second day that he's going to be arraigned because, man, they're throwing quite literally everything at this man. And uh, anybody who pays attention in any capacity knows it's all fake. It's always been fake. All the lies, all the accusations, they've never panned out. And it's always been some nonsense. And they expect me, they expect you to now, after everything the Democrats have done, they expect us to believe them. Nah, my friends, I'm going to say for you the magic words from right from Tim Cast's news mouth. Civil war. Call it whatever you want. But when we're at a point where they gloat that they break the law, Hillary Clinton posted a picture of herself wearing a hat that said, but her emails. That's right. Hillary Clinton had a private email server that contained public records and top secret uh, documents. And she had her, her, her people destroyed all of them. She had the server destroyed. And this is desecration and destruction of public records, which is a a crime. And uh, they smashed the cell phones with hammers. But a whole lot of nothing. Nothing happened. And Hillary kept saying the whole time, but her emails. That's it. They're gloating. They've been the whole time. Now that Donald Trump is being federally indicted and he will be arraigned today at 3 p.m. over similar charges, although the argument is that uh, Hillary Clinton was not president and Donald Trump was, thus he has plenary declassification powers, meaning he can just do it. They all admit it. They all acknowledge it. But then they make up some circuitous reason why they must charge him. And they're saying espionage, mishandling of national secrets. They said, you know what? Yeah, we're not going to win on that ground. The president does have the right to take these documents. So they now are criminally charging him with 37 counts, including espionage charges. It's all fake. It's always been fake. And here we are. Now, a large crowd has shown up in Miami to support the president outside the courthouse. They're not going to be able to get in the building because there is limited seating. And what we're hearing now is that despite all of this, Teflon Don, they call him. They say that his his polling is way up. 61% in the Republican primary. DeSantis is way down. Even with all of this going on, in fact, I'd argue the Democrats know that targeting Trump in this way 
makes him more popular. Now, it's hard to know exactly what their strategy is, and I can't tell you exactly what will happen when it comes to the 2024 election. But I would consider this. Donald Trump being criminally charged makes him more popular among Republicans, but less popular among independents, the politically disenfranchised or disillusioned, disaffected people who generally don't pay attention. So for the people who do pay attention, you're sitting here saying this man is being persecuted in his prosecution. They're targeting him specifically to stop him because they hate what he's done and trying to save this country. Now, as for moderates and people who don't pay attention, all they hear is Trump is a criminal. He broke the law again and again and again. And you know what? It's entirely possible that they indict him in Georgia next, and they will do everything in their power to stop him from being able to campaign, to rally, to to give appearances. That's what it's all about. However, however, consider maybe they want Trump to become more popular so DeSantis loses and then Trump loses in the general. I'm not convinced this plan will work, but I don't know for sure. I don't think Joe Biden can defeat Donald Trump. He was able to beat Trump in 2020 because they locked everyone down, took away movies, took away sports, took away the bar, and they forced people to sit in a locked box in the big city and their houses and apartments. And then all they did all day on the news is say it's Trump's fault over and over and over again. Then they said, are you doing your part? And people I know who have no business in politics went out and voted for the first time. No joke. So here we are. Here's the video from outside Miami. Brooke Shaver says this is part of the line of people trying to get into the courthouse for uh, former President Trump's court appearance this afternoon. Courtroom will have limited seating. Most of these people will end up in an overflow room. No video, photos or electronics allowed. Very interesting. And there's something very interesting about this case. It could possibly be dismissed outright. Let me show you this video. Take a look at this. It's a very large crowd. Look at this line. Yo, this is massive. This is, I think this might be over a thousand people. I can't tell right now. But uh, I, I will say that people often underestimate crowd sizes when it comes to uh, seeing when it comes to seeing big, big crowds. You know, uh, my experience with protests is people would be like, "How many people do you think are like 200? It's like, okay. Look down at that crowd. You think 200? Start counting. And they'd be like, once they, once they got like a quarter through and they're like, okay, I'm over 200 already. Yeah. People standing shoulder to shoulder, a lot more people than you realize. But I don't know how many people are outside. The only thing I, I can tell you is that they ain't going to fit in that courtroom. And we have this story. Trump's historic federal court appearance in Miami, how it's going to break down. So let me give you the quick breakdown. So saith the Daily Mail as to what you can expect. Trump National Doral Resort, Miami. He will, be, he will be leaving his hotel for the Wilkie D. Ferguson Jr. Courthouse in downtown Miami. Trump, Trump will arrive at the courthouse where he will likely enter by underground tunnel. He'll be booked and fingerprinted and processed, but will not be jailed or posed for a mugshot. He will then appear in court. It's unclear if he will enter a plea. Cameras will not be allowed in. Trump's lawyers may ask for charges to be immediately thrown out. Ex-president will leave court and head to Miami International Airport. He will then fly to Bedminster, New Jersey for a speech at 8.15 p.m. Of course, we will have that speech for all of you on Timcast IRL. Can't miss it. This stuff's uh, historic and important. But let's talk about where this all leads to. This is what the left is saying right now. Eileen Cannon, or is it Aileen Cannon? The Trump judge assigned to oversee his trial explained. If Cannon remains the judge in this case, 
It is unlikely that special counsel Jack Smith will convict Trump, no matter how strong the evidence may be. Okay, posted this morning as of today. Let me say it again for you, my friend. Civil war. Think of think of those words as however you want to think of those words. But when you read between the lines, this is what Vox is telling us right now. What Vox is telling us is that Trump appointed this judge. Therefore, the judge will not cause any harm or allow any harm to befall Trump. And if that's the reality, they're acknowledging that the trials in, say, New York are tainted by the New York jury pool all the same. That is what they just said with this subhead. Donald Trump is indicted in New York. People in New York mostly don't like Trump, New York City. People in New York State, upstate, they may. And a lot of people say like, oh, you know, New York City doesn't speak for all of us. There's more people. That's how it works. New York City has a ridiculous amount of people. I think the metro area, but does, which does include the tri-state, has like 13 million or something like that, maybe more actually. And so while upstate you may like Trump, you are unfortunately outnumbered by the cities. So what's happening now? They will indict you or anybody else in a jurisdiction where they know they can't lose because the political divide in this country is so intense. Why should they send troops to come and detain you uh, in some kind of war fashion when they can just arrest you on a warrant and then say, but it's legal? Now, one of the big problems is that Republicans don't do the same thing because they're weak, ineffective. I mean, you know, Trump, Trump's uh, polling above Ron DeSantis. What do we get? The DeSantis campaign making the weakest and most pathetic attempt at manipulating people with deep fake images. That's what you get. You get deep fake DeSantis. You know, if you really want to play the deep fake game, that is not how you do it. I've already explained some of the scary things that could happen, but instead they try and do this. My point is, man, the Republican Party and elements of the right have no idea how to deal with this machine. They just don't. Certainly in any one of these states, now you've got allegations of uh, Joe Biden taking bribes. And now it's being uncovered last night that there are 17 recordings, allegedly. An FBI informant that they believe, the FBI believes to be very credible, says that Mykola Zlachevsky, founder of Burisma, secretly recorded the Bidens numerous, on numerous occasions for insurance. Okay. So any Republican in any jurisdiction should be able, uh, with, the, with the, even the slightest modicum of, of standing, to file criminal charges against Joe Biden. Why aren't you doing it? Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply.
because they're weak. That's it. So let's just call it what it is. We are in a fourth and fifth generational civil war. Fifth generational warfare is psychological manipulation. War is not people. People hear the word war and they think of this surface level historical uh, like circumstance where people are marching down the street with guns. Yeah, war historically has been physical conflict, but a large component of war, especially the Cold War, was espionage and manipulation, propaganda. One of the things we've always done is leafleting, dropping pamphlets on foreign countries to shift the mentality of the people. You want people to revolt in an enemy country. If you can get the country to fight itself, you don't need to go to war. So perhaps a lot of what we're dealing with is China. But to put it simply, when it comes to what we're seeing now, if you think we are not in a civil war, I just got to ask you, when in history has a former president been indicted twice? Never, never. Not once. Even after the Civil War, the, you have, I think it was 1872 or 76. I, can't, I, always, I always confuse the year. They had a council. They were like, who's going to be president? Well, we're confused. Let's cut a deal. The end of Reconstruction. They're going after Donald Trump. It is warfare. And you don't know exactly what their intentions are, what they're hoping to accomplish by doing these things, but it's never been done before. I can say on the surface level, Occam's razor, they are trying to remove a president. Now, OK, 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 it may, maybe not civil war in the in the traditional sense. Maybe a revolution is a better way to put it. A revolution because they are going to remove the dominant culture from this country. It's a culture revolution. It's a political revolution. And without any opposition, why would we call it a civil war? It's just a straight up revolution. These elements are taking over and they're using the, the power of government to do so. In the long run, I do think they lose, honestly. And, and yes, when you look at the, the Bud Light boycott, the Target boycott, or the Call of Duty boycott, culturally, they can't win and they just can't. So this may be their death throes. But let me let me read a little bit for you, uh, uh, a little bit of this article for you so you can get an understanding of what's actually going on. So instead of me just ranting about civil war nonstop, this is the judge who is overseeing the case and she was appointed by Trump. Vox argues not long after special counsel Jack Smith filed a damning indictment against former President Donald Trump. I love how they add that adjective, turning this into an opinion piece and uh, not saying that. Accusing Trump of deliberately withholding classified federal documents that he had no right to possess in the first place except he was the president and uh, he can declassify them. Smith received what could be the worst possible news about his chances of securing a conviction. The case is assigned to Judge Eileen Cannon, a Trump appointee to the federal district court in southern Florida. Cannon, a fairly young judge who was confirmed to the bench after Trump lost re-election, but before Joe Biden took office, has come onto the national stage so far only once for her extraordinary efforts to sabotage the Justice Department's investigation into Trump's possession of classified documents. A panel of three appellate judges, two also appointed by Trump, eventually stepped in and neutralized the sabotage in an opinion that identified about a dozen errors in her decisions. Eventually, a second panel of the U.S. State Courts of Appeals for the 11th Circuit ruled that she never had jurisdiction to interfere with the DOJ investigation in the first place. The latter opinion, which was handed down by a panel that included two Trump appointees and Chief Judge William Pryor a prominent figure in the conservative Federalist Society, labeled Cannon's decision favoring Trump a radical reordering of our case law, limiting the federal court's involvement in criminal investigations, and warned that Cannon's approach would violate bedrock separation of power limitations. There's no guarantee that Cannon takes the same cavalier, uh, cavalierly partisan approach 
the Trump's criminal trial as she did to the FBI's investigation. But it's enough of a concern that her assignment to the trial, which a court says was made randomly using the ordinary process where judges are assigned to preside over criminal trials, immediately sparked alarm among a wide range of ideologically diverse lawyers. Oren Kerr says the Trump indictment allegations are bananas. With that said, if Judge Kennan is presiding, I'm not sure how the facts will matter. Based on her decisions in the litigation over the warrant, Ken may do whatever she can to, she can to protect Trump. And there's a lot she can do. I wonder if uh, actually Oren has uh, more to say than just that. And certainly, certainly does. He says, I hope my skepticism is unwarranted, but Kennan's decisions in the warrant case were astonishing. I find it hard to imagine a judge who would sign those opinions, giving a fair shake to both sides. But we'll see. Several readers point to this thread from Joyce White Vance, expressing very high confidence that Kennan will not preside over the case. I am not so sure. Well, this is where we are so far. As I read the CA11 reassignment cases like Torkington, Shagan, Gupta, and Martin, the test is a murky multi-factor inquiry. The trial judge generally gets a first chance to be fair. Reassignment happens after repeat showings. Here's what I think is going to happen. I would not be surprised if this judge does favor Trump. But you ain't going to know it. They'll argue it, but you ain't going to know it. If this judge, Eileen Cannon, really does want to help Trump, the smartest thing she can do is subtle. The smartest things she can do will be subtle. You don't come out outright and say, dismiss the case. Get out of here. No, you can't charge Trump. You say, oh, no, Trump. Yeah, you're being indicted. We're going to preside this case and the prosecution is going to be allowed to present their evidence and all of that. And then what you do is when they seek to introduce some evidence, you say, yes, but you can only introduce it in this way. And then you say, I never denied they could introduce evidence on these rules. I said, you can't say this one component of it. And so they'll say something like, we have an audio recording of Trump and they'll be like, can you prove it's not a deep fake? Where did this uh, recording come from? How do you have this recording? The Trump camp is now going to be able to argue it's a deep fake. And I blame partially Ron DeSantis. I mean, this was coming. Don't get me wrong. But Ron DeSantis's campaign, they opened the doors and uh, they refused to acknowledge it. And uh, it's disgusting and despicable. They produced fake images of Trump hugging and kissing Fauci. And now all the Trump legal team needs to say is those are not real recordings. I'm sorry. Those are deep fake recordings that can be made in two seconds using 11labs.io or any other of these these deep fake technologies. And the judge can be like, I agree. Unless you can provide forensic receipts of the authenticity of these recordings and it can withstand the, 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 the defense's challenging of the evidence, then I don't see how we can admit this evidence anymore. It's not just about Trump. You know, I don't know exactly what this judge will do, but I'm telling you, man, we are entering a brave new world. This AI stuff. I said it before and I'll say it again. I can confirm to you 100% that courts have already allowed deep fake. I can confirm. They allow deep fakes to be admitted. They allow recordings that have uh, no no forensic evidence that... Uh, they, the courts already allow this. The argument, as I've been told, is you have to prove it's not a real recording. Oh, well, it's impossible. Someone can generate a fake recording. They can manipulate it so that it sounds real. Here's what you do. They AI generate a voice and then they play it on a computer speaker and record it to their phone. They then say this phone is a recording of the person speaking. Because you are 
running it through the air, it obfuscates what may be what it, it, it breaks down the the clean AI generated programmatic function of the uh, uh, or uh, um, patterns. Not perfectly. There's still probably ways people could try and AI detect, but there have been numerous attempts to AI detect written articles and things like that. And while some of them are fairly obvious, there's one uh, uh, there was one viral post where a college student said that their teacher told them their their uh, their paper was AI generated. And they said, it's not. It's not. AI. I wrote it myself. And they said, well, no, we ran it through an AI checker and it's AI. So they rewrote it, gave it back to the to the professor who said still coming up as AI generated. And so they took what they wrote and they ran it through an ad detection and it kept saying, yes, it was. And they were like, I have no idea what to do. Like I wrote it, but it keeps saying it's AI generated. What do you do? So if you AI generate audio and then you uh, send that AI recording, they might be able to look at that and say, look at these, these chops. That's not actual ambient room tone. That's not through a phone. What if you play the audio on a computer? that you AI generate over the phone to someone else who records the phone call. And then it just sounds like a phone call. And they're going to say it's AI generated. And they're going to say, ah, it's a phone call. And what can you do? The courts are going to have no choice but to just say, you can't use these recordings because we can't verify their authenticity. And AI has created shadow of doubt, reasonable doubt. Donald Trump can come out and be like, they have been making deep fake images and audio of me. Here's here's a picture that a Santa's campaign put out. So we'll see. We'll see. For the time being, I think the important components here to talk about, if Vox and many others genuinely believe that Trump appointed judges will protect him, call it whatever you want. But we are in a pre we're in a cold civil war. We're in a pre-war phase. We're at a point where this country is divided down hard lines with different states Mostly the urban areas believing the world is completely different than people outside those cities. Not everybody, but enough. And you have judges within New York who will lie, cheat and steal and break the law for political power. Meanwhile, they accuse Trump appointed judges of doing the exact same thing. And if either of these is true, then there is no more justice and there is no political system. Donald Trump is the front runner for the Republican Republican Party, and they are trying to put him in prison. That's it. For the first time in the history of this country, the system is completely broken. And do you think it'll get, it'll get better? I think the system will get worse. But just because it'll get worse doesn't mean we lose. In fact, I think quite the opposite. As Noam Chomsky said a while ago, when you enter the arena of violence, the most brutal guy wins. And that's not us. The far left, the soy boys, whatever you want to call them, they're vicious. But that's only because the true warriors and fighters don't want to fight. If it really comes down to it, do you think the cities can survive? They can't. They literally can't. Food does not grow in cities. I mean, they might have gardens and there's some vertical farming stuff they might be able to, to, to do. But if it really comes down to urban versus rural to an extreme degree, yeah, I got news for you. What's going to have to happen is the federal government and state governments will have to send armed forces to seize farms to make sure the cities can be sustained. It will get wild. And I don't know if it'll get to that point. Who knows? But it already feels like the system is broken. If they do indict Trump and try and stop him from winning and do stop him from winning, I think all hell breaks loose. And I don't know. I don't know what you can you could expect at that point. I really don't. I mean, there's questions about Trump does have some weaknesses when it comes to Fauci, the vaccine, et cetera. And 
There's data coming out every day that puts Trump in a very bad position. I think there's a strong possibility that within the next year, information comes out about medical practices under Donald Trump. Hollywood is under siege, covertly compromised by a global adversary. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream to the world is now making nightmares a reality. The American way of life is being censored by the Chinese Communist Party. Some films have scenes completely altered. Other films have lost their funding or been canceled altogether. Some actors have been banned from China for supporting human rights. Hollywood Takeover is a documentary brought to you by the Epoch Times, revealing how the CCP has infiltrated major movie studios. Join Chris Fenton, a former Hollywood executive, and Tiffany Meyer, an investigative news reporter, through their journey in exposing how the film industry gradually lost its integrity on its path to profits. Don't miss the most important documentary ever made about Hollywood. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free on HollywoodTakeover.com Tim. That's HollywoodTakeover.com slash T-I-M. That paint him in a very negative light and could seriously cause him harm and boost Ron DeSantis. But we'll see. I will stress this again because it is deeply offensive to me that the DeSantis campaign produced deep fake images titled them real life Trump and tried to trick you and I, you and me, into believing that Donald Trump was hugging and kissing Fauci. And now they're now there's the biggest fans of DeSantis they're pulling the typical Democrat evil lines of, did you really think it was real? Nobody thought it was real. I don't care. I don't care what you say, DeSantis simps. Deep fake DeSantis produced a fake image, multiple, in an attempt to trick us into thinking that Trump was buddy buddy and hugging and kissing Fauci. I know that Trump's biggest weakness, one of them is COVID and, and, and Fauci. And so you decided to try and lie to me. Yeah, I'm not going to play that game. If Joe Biden produced deep fakes of Ron DeSantis in this way, these people would be losing their minds. But you know what? The DeSantis supporters who are lying to defend him, they are the biggest of hypocrites. I'm not playing that game. Trump can be a potty mouth. Trump can post memes. Don't come to me and say, Ron DeS- uh, Donald Trump posted deep fakes of DeSantis because you're lying. It's not true. Donald Trump retweeted a stupid posts and said stupid things as he often does. Not okay, not a big fan, but not the same thing as DeSantis producing deep fakes. I'm not going to entertain that reality, so it ain't happening. We'll see how things go. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. More Target store locations have been threatened with bombs. Now, none of these locations have found any bombs, but it seems like this false bomb threat targeting of Target is getting worse. We're now learning that several Kohl's locations have also been the subject of several bomb threats. Now, the reason for this is the person issuing the threat says that these stores have betrayed the LGBTQ plus community. I believe there is a potential. It's a hoax intended to smear the left, but it is a bit of conspiratorial thinking. And I have to still lean on the overwhelming uh, probability that this is the left's MO. This is what they do. They engage in violence, threats, and intimidation to get their way. When Target announced, or I should say when an internal memo circulated where they said, quickly remove the pride merchandise from the front of the stores and bring it to the back, this probably shocked, offended, and terrified many on the left because a massive multinational corporate, well, actually, I don't know if they're multinational, but a large corporation in the United States was was bending the knee effectively to the political rivals of the left 
And of course, this is how they engage. It's how they've always engaged. Now, it is true that Timcast did receive some kind of email related to this. We forwarded them to our security. I believe it's being handled by law enforcement. And there were fake emails, or I could, what could only assume to be hoax emails, that had our email address on it. We never received these. So CBS, many news outlets reported a screenshot of this email, which said that it was sent to TimCast.com. We had never received that email. So I don't know exactly what's going on, but it seems like this is a bit more sophisticated than just some random targeting of these stores. But this is exactly what the left does. And I'll tell you, we were we were swatted several times, 15 times in the last year, and it seemed to have stopped around the beginning of this year. Um, and we've also received several bomb threats, some credible. You may have seen the episode of Timcast IRL where it was an empty room for three hours because we were forced to evacuate the building. This is the the MO of the far left. Daily Wire reports multiple target stores across the U.S. hit with bomb threats for betraying the LGBTQ plus community, according to a report. Now, the important thing to consider here, how the media is obfuscating what's actually going on. I'd like to show you the Washington Post headline. Target stores see more bomb threats over pride merchandise. These people are evil. It's the only way you can explain it. Purely evil. The person making the threats is on the left and supports the merchandise. But you see, they frame it to try and protect the left because these people are cult members. It's a cult. There's no reason to obfuscate the headline. I can present to you the news and say there is a possibility it is not the left and someone is trying to false flag and may uh, uh, engage in this hoax so that it smears the left. There's no evidence to suggest that other than speculation. So probability lies with it's probably just leftists doing this. But I can say that no problem. I don't need to lie, cheat or steal or obfuscate what may or may not be. We can speculate and then I can show you the facts. and You can decide for yourself. What does the corporate press do? They lie. They manipulate. Now, I will say it's not as bad as, say, the DeSantis campaign making deep fake images and refusing to acknowledge that they're lying to you. This is them manipulating context. Still very, very bad, though. The Daily Wire reports multiple target stores across the U.S. received bomb threats over the weekend for allegedly betraying the LGBTQ plus community by tamping down on some of the Pride uh, Month products sold in the stores. The FBI is now investigating the bomb threats that have been made in stores in Oklahoma, New York, New Hampshire, Vermont, Louisiana, Ohio, Utah, and Pennsylvania. Threats first started a few weeks ago when Target made emergency calls to managers and senior directors after the company faced backlash for its pride collection, which included tuck-friendly female swimwear. JP Morgan said it was downgrading Target's stock because of the recent company controversies, and the company has since lost more than $15 billion in market cap. USA Today reported that stores in Ohio, Utah, and Pennsylvania received a threat that stated, Target is full of cowards who turned their back on the LGBT community and decided to cater to the homophobic right-wing redneck bigots who protested and vandalized their store. The threats continued over the weekend when seven stores in Oklahoma received a threat that began we are going to play a game and included the date of the Oklahoma City bombing, which killed 168 people. Two of these target locations have bombs in them. The email continued. We hid the bombs inside some products, and I'm not going to continue to read the rest. I think it's, 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 it's horrifying. The Washington Post reported 
Now, the threats were made by those accusing the store of betraying the LGBTQ plus community. The target locations in Louisiana reportedly received emails accusing the stores of bowing to the wishes of far right extremists who want to exterminate us. Now, in this article from Fox 25, they mentioned near Milwaukee, a bomb threat was made to several Kohl's stores in the area. And in Lafayette, Louisiana, a bomb threat was made to another Target store. So it looks like this is not just about Target. They're also going after Kohl's as well. Now, I don't know if Kohl's has taken action to remove any of these products. Kohl's does have pride products for kids. This, we don't know what's going on. What we know is that the FBI is involved. This is from news9.com. FBI assisting investigation into OKC target bomb threat emails. Investigators are still trying to figure out who sent threatening emails about bombs at several Metro Target stores. Look, if we, if we want to speculate who could have done this, I think it's important to say we don't know just yet. The surface level uh, indication is far left wing cult members. We know they've engaged in extreme violence. This is what they do. They firebombed St. John's Church. They forced the president into an emergency bunker. The left engages in overt terrorism and has over the past several years. This completely aligns with how they work politically. And not all leftists agree, but enough of them. And and then more modern mainstream liberals don't disavow and actively seek to obfuscate this fact to protect them. So I can only say this. My assumption will be this must be the left, especially when the Washington Post and many other publications do the exact same thing. They make it seem like it is not the left doing it. The Washington Post headline. They say, look at this opening paragraph. Target stores in at least five states were evacuated this weekend after receiving bomb threats. Though no explosives were discovered, the incidents tie into the backlash over the retail retail chain's Pride Month merchandise. They are trying as hard as they can to restructure the context to make the average person who reads this incorrectly assume it was somehow anti-LGBTQ, when in fact, the threats were from pro-LGBTQ uh, individuals. Law enforcement investigated all the threats and determined the stores are safe. Now, Now watch this. They wait till the bottom of the article where they know most people don't read to actually break down that it came from LGBTQ individuals. It's amazing, isn't it? The target controversy follows the backlash and boycotts that Anheuser-Busch faced in April over its Bud Light partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. Retailers such as Kohl's, Nike, North Face, PetSmart and Walmart have also faced ire for stocking items that extol equal rights and acceptance for gay, lesbian and transgender individuals. Now, I'd like to point out something. It was Target, the only one that pulled the merch. Nike said nothing. Bud, Bud Light's actually doubling down. So you want to talk about circumstantial evidence. Let's say this. Target, as I, I believe, was the only corporation that actually acted quickly to remove Pride merchandise. Kohl's did not. Nike did not. North Face did not. PetSmart did not. Walmart did not. Bud Light doubles down. None of them have received threats. So. If we are going to make any assumptions about this, it completely aligns with the far left is outraged and angry, and they will use terrorism to get what they want. I bring you now to the latest in the Bud Light controversy. John Rich tackles Bud Light, Garth Brooks beer controversy, while Marlon Wayans hits back at United Airlines. 
the latest in Hollywood headlines. I, I love this. So basically, Garth Brooks is saying he's going to uh, let, me, let, me, let me actually just pull the article. Uh, Garth Brooks says he's going to keep selling Bud Light no matter what. They say country music star John Rich weighed in on fellow musician Garth Brooks decision to serve every brand of beer. Garth Brooks has always been the guy that said, everybody come to my show. It's something that we love about Garth. You know, he makes his music for everybody. And that's really what music is all about. You're making your music for everybody. If Garth is serving Bud Light in his bar, that's fine. Garth can do that. Garth might find out not many people are going to order it. At the end of the day, you have to put things in your establishment that people are going to purchase if you're going to run a successful business. So we might find that out. Garth is playing politics, of course. Bud Light is not selling. Getting woke makes you go broke. Not 100% of the time. It's possible you can cater to woke individuals. I went to a local uh, liquor store and I asked him, I was like, you guys selling Bud Light? And they were like, nope, can't move it. No joke. And I've heard it from uh, uh, the people who work here at Timcast and from friends. They go to bars and they ask like, people don't buy it. I was hanging out at the casino this past weekend and a guy at the poker table stands up and says, first person to raise their hand, uh, I'm buying a drink. The dealer raises her hand and he goes, all right, what do you want? Anything but no Bud Light. And everyone started laughing. And I was like, are everybody really following this stuff? Yeah. So play that game. I bring you now to our good friend, Mark Cuban, who claims companies like Target, Bud Light going woke is just good business. Is that, is that serious? Take a look at the subheader. Anheuser-Busch sales fell by 24.5% within the last month. I'm sorry to say, Fox, but this is fake news. We've already seen the data. It's 29.5%. It's much worse than just 24.5%. I suppose, depending on which metric you're using, but when we're looking at cold, hard sales, my understanding is it's 29.5%. But Mark Cuban says, no, no, it's good business. Let's break down this incorrect assumption. Billionaire Shark Tank star Mark Cuban said companies embracing woke ideology is just good business, pushing back against those who say it's adversely affecting their bottom lines. You know, target sales are down $15 billion. How about that? In an interview with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on Sunday, the Dallas Mavericks owner spoke about the ongoing backlash against companies like Anheuser-Busch and the Target Corporation for for promoting LGBTQ plus ideologies in their brands. Since promoting what many consider woke agendas, both companies have suffered massive losses worth billions of dollars. While experts and industry insiders insiders have suggested that invoking politics led to this downturn, Cuban insisted that embracing wokeness is a positive trait. You're cruising down the highway, windows rolled down, tunes blasting from the radio. You're in the zone and living the dream. Suddenly, your car sputters, coughs, and throws a wrench in your whole day. Tow trucks, repair bills the dream turns into a nightmare. Don't wait until car trouble steals your peace of mind. Visit CarShield now at carshield.com slash Carlson. For nearly 20 years, CarShield has helped millions of drivers avoid the stress of major repairs. They offer plans covering up to 5,000 parts and systems, from your engine and transmission to electronics and more, all for a low monthly rate that fits your budget. CarShield plans also include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, and rental options. Get peace of mind now. Visit CarShield online at carshield.com slash Carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash Carlson. That's carshield.com slash Carlson. Visit now. There is a reason almost all the top 10 market cap companies in the U.S. can be considered woke. It's good business, he said. 
Now, Mark, Mark is just not uh, knowledgeable enough to understand why he's wrong. And I'll write this down, but let's, let's, let's see his ideas first. Cuban explained, most CEOs have enough experience to know to just wait out the news cycle until they go to the next one. Let's address that. It's been, all, uh, it's been two and a half months and Bud Light sales are getting worse. So normally it should, it, it should have been a few days. Mark is wrong about this. The news cycle has since moved on quite a bit from the initial story of the Bud Light controversy, yet for some reason it is persisting. The economic damage to this company is seemingly only getting worse. Now, why is that? Can they wait it out? <clears throat> I don't think they can. I think this one's not going away. He says, or they want to say, since Bud Light's apparent partnership with Dylan Mulvaney, the company has seen a, a, de a decrease in sales, et cetera, et cetera. We know that the latest numbers was 29.5. The target corporation's market cap also lost billions. And, uh, you know, we, so we, we know that. We just read that story. It's down about 15 billion. Cuban, however, insisted that this dip was meaningless and unlikely due to individual stockholders taking action following the controversy. He says, first, a dip in the market cap is meaningless. You have to realize that there aren't many individual owners of stocks. Almost all ownership is via funds, and most trading is quantitative. So it's not like the drop is because tens of thousands of individual holders sold their stocks. This is remarkable that, that I have to imagine Mark's a smart guy. He's an expert on this stuff. He has to know that what he's saying is, is, is duplicitous, that he, you know what I think this may be? Maybe he's got investment in these companies and he's lost a lot of money. Let me break it down for you. Make it simple. He is correct when he says that a dip in the market cap, uh, when, when he says that uh, they're not individual owners of stocks, it's, it's funds, trading is not quantitative, it's not like the drop is because individuals, that has nothing to do with anything. If you have a wealth manager and you have a portfolio and you are seeing it go down, you will ask your wealth manager, what's happening to my portfolio? And they say, well, we hold a lot of Target and Anheuser-Busch. And you will then be like, why? I don't want to lose money. Not only that, many fund managers might say they're downgrading Target stock and Anheuser-Busch stock. So let's stop holding it and let's move somewhere safer for the time being. Mark Cuban knows this. You think that there are big funds that are like, we recognize the major controversy. It's been going on for two and a half months. There are now bomb threats at these stores, but we're going to hold these stocks anyway. Not own. Listen, when it comes to Target, you are dealing with people who don't want to shop there because of the pride merchandise. And now you may be dealing with people who don't want to shop there because they keep getting evacuated due to the bomb threats. The culture war is a problem for these companies. And you think that someone who's managing a big fund is going to be happy to continue holding this two and a half months on? Listen, whether it's uh, at large scale or not, there is one small fact that remains. A, a, a substantial amount of managers will say, there, look, Miller Coors is going up. Molson Coors, sorry, is going up. So why hold Anheuser-Busch in Bev? All you got to do is click a button and you can transfer all your stocks. You can go into your app and say, we're going to move X amount of stocks. Now, granted, with at larger numbers, there's bigger uh, market uh, um, consequences. But for some of these, these funds that are holding millions or tens of millions, they may say, let's drop about half of our holding. Let's do a big sell off and then buy in for the companies that are going up. If we, if we get, get out of the controversy and buy into Molson Coors, the purchase is going to drive the stock up anyway. It just makes more sense. 
You can't tell me that after everything we've seen, getting woke makes sense. He goes on to say, according to the, uh, according to the Post-Gazette, Cuban suggested the new focus on woke politics could be because companies know, quote, people want to do business with companies that care about their customers, a quality that is an American trait that says reflects who we are as a country. Yes, he's correct. He's correct in that good business is siding with your customers. Bud Light is not doing that. So when Mark Cuban is like, everyone's woke, so you should go woke and sell to woke people. You're like, yeah, you realize it's like 8% of the population. Your customers have revolted. They have said, no, we won't buy your product. Sales are down nearly 30%. Market cap is down nearly 20, uh, 20 some odd billion dollars. Target is down nearly $15 billion. Target's being slammed with bomb threats. And Mark Cuban is like, everything seems good to me. The backlash, the threats, all of it makes perfect sense when running a business. You know, looking at that, I have to say, wow, after suffering a 20 some odd billion dollar market cap drop off, Mark Cuban is saying it's good business. I would stay personally, I'm not giving anyone advice. Me, I would never invest in anything Mark Cuban is touching. I wouldn't buy any of his products because this dude's out of his mind. Imagine walking to someone and being like, hey, you know that stock that's in free fall? You should buy it. And they're going to be like, okay, well, hold on. I understand buying the dip, but uh, why? Why should I buy it? Well, they're in an ongoing controversy that's persisted over multiple news cycles now lasting two. Okay, stop me right there, dude. Maybe when we start to see some recovery, maybe if we see a cultural shift. But right now we are talking about brand death of Bud Light. Absolute. They are no longer the top selling beer. It's one thing to buy the dip. Okay, it's another thing to be like, I don't know where the end is. And Bud Light and Ezra Bush is doubling down, sponsoring pride events, donating money to to more of these organizations. And it's only making things worse. And this guy is saying, no, 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 it's good for business. It's good for business that they're insulting their customers repeatedly over and over again. Are you out of your mind? And don't get me wrong. You can buy the dip, but good luck. That's kind of weird to me. It's like we know that Molson Coors is going up. We know that other beer brands are either stable down a little bit or improving greatly. And Anheuser-Busch is collapsing. And he's saying, buy the one that's that's in free fall. It's like, but if you buy Molson Coors right now, they're going up. Well, yeah, but that's just the thing. You're buying at the top. They might go down. No, I don't see it. I don't know where the top is. I don't know where the bottom is. And you should not be taking any of this advice as as advice because I don't know. I'm saying personally, yeah, maybe there's a point where it's like Molson Coors has, has gone as high as it can in this controversy. Maybe there's a point where Bud Light's gone as far down as possible and it can only go up after that. I'm not going to be the guinea pig to try and figure out which it is. You know what I mean? I think the best bets you can make are the safe ones. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's, it's that way in everything. There are a lot of people who want to play the risky game. They say, Ooh, if you buy that dollar stock, it's going to be big and then maybe become a billionaire. For every story you've heard about some ridiculous move, like there was the guy who painted the Facebook office. He said, I'll paint it in exchange for stock. They gave him stock. Boom. He's worth like hundreds of millions of dollars within five or 10 years. Good deal. How many stories have you heard where the guy does work for stock and then makes nothing from it? Probably none because no one cares when someone fails. No one's going to make a story about dude painted a building one time and didn't get paid for it. That happens every day. Some, some painting company will send an invoice. And they'll be like, I ain't paying that. And then they'll be like, we didn't get paid. Is that news? No. What about a guy who paints a building 
And then five years later, like, here's $500 million. That's big news. You want to play that game? By all means, play that game. But the safer bets tend to be the guarantees. We know that this company is rolling out a new product that's been approved and is going to be successful. And we'll probably see like a 5% bump this year. And you're like, makes sense to me. Safe bet. There are people who hope that they can invest in a stock and then see within one year a 5,000% gain because they just want to get rich. Go gamble is, is, is the message being sent. Don't literally go gamble. It's not good. That's the message being sent, that you buy a ridiculous stock, cross your fingers. In reality, investing is like you diversify a portfolio, you put your money in, and you see around 7% returned every year. Why would I choose to invest in the riskiest stocks right now? Mark Cuban, good luck with that. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The question I have for all of you is, are you happy or are you sad to hear this news? San Francisco's dying downtown has dealt another blow as Westfield stops making mortgage payments on $550 million loan for Massive Mall, blaming crime for falling sales and Nordstrom closure. It's amazing. And this is, a, this is the death of San Francisco. We learned recently that I believe it's the, it was the Hilton and Park 55 that the, uh, the companies were surrendering the property to their lenders. And that is what we are seeing now on the massive Westfield Mall in, uh, in San Francisco. Crime, low foot traffic, low sales, human waste on the streets. Nobody wants to be there. This is fascinating. They say that the, uh, the um, capacity, it'll be 55% at this mall, whereas typically you see malls at around 93%. Do you know how a mall dies? You ever hear one of these stories? Or you ever experience it? A mall dies when one store leaves, another store leaves, and then one by one, because the stores are leaving, more stores. It's, it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. As one store leaves, foot traffic goes down. So other stores leave, foot traffic goes down. I talked about this last week. The way malls work is fairly simple. Someone might say, I need to go to the mall to get a new phone. You go to the mall, and while you're there, what do you do? You browse around some other stores. You buy your new phone. You grab a bubble tea or something, and you're not just buying the phone. You're actually providing business to other locations, other businesses. But when that phone store closes because too much theft, you don't go there anymore. And that means the bubble, the bubble tea, the uh, shoes, the hat that you would have bought, the posters, whatever, you're not going to buy. This is what is happening to San Francisco as an entire city. To a certain degree, other cities as well. But what we're seeing now, I mean, imagine this. Because this is what I said when it came to those hotels surrendering. Imagine you bought a house, $300,000. You took out a, a large loan, let's say, Let's say you did 10% down, 30,000. You owe maybe like 250,000 on the loan. And then you went, nobody wants to come to this house. Nobody wants to live here. I don't want to live here. I surrender. And you just straight up give the property back to the bank. Give it. Give. Now, now hold on. You may be saying, well, I don't understand. Why did you sell the house? Nobody wants to buy it. That's why. Your only option is keep paying the bills on a house nobody wants to be in and you don't want to be in. You can't sell it because nobody wants to live there. So you say, you know what? I've lost the money. There's no point in spending anymore. We're out. 
Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. So the question, as I asked a moment ago, are you happy or are you sad about this? Because this is one of our great American cities, San Francisco, now being gutted and destroyed. I don't know if I feel good about it. I mean, part of me is, is laughing at the failed Democrat policy. They keep voting for this stuff. And then part of me says it's too bad that we let it get this way. The Daily Mail reports San Francisco's struggling downtown has been dealt another blow as Westfield has stopped making mortgage payments on its massive mall due to crime and tanking sales. The firm has defaulted on the $558 million loan and is handing it back to the lender, which will appoint a receiver. The mall will remain open for now. The decision was sparked by the decision from Nordstrom, the mall's anchor tenant, to close in August. Last month, Westfield blamed unsafe conditions and a lack of enforcement against rampant criminal activity, in large part for Nordstrom's departure. That's right. It is overtly Democrat policies. Soros-funded DAs destroying these cities. It's amazing, man. Oh, geez, I can't even look at some of these images. Westfield said the unprecedented poor performance in San Francisco was a sharp contrast to the rest of its properties. San Francisco Center generated $455 million in sales in 2019 before the pandemic. Last year, last year, sales were down about a third to $298 million. Nordstrom occupied 312,000 square feet of the mall. When it closes, Westfield San Francisco will only be 55% leased. Other Westfields on average, 93%. The mall is a, uh, the mall is a smart and upmarket building whose other retailers, a smart building, what? Whose other retails, retailers include Bloomingdale's, Aesop, Rolex, and Sephora. You know what happens next? Bloomingdale's. How many people were shopping at Nordstrom? And they'd say, let's go to Nordstrom. And then they'd say, well, let's take a look at some of the other stores. Now that Nordstrom's not there, how many people also won't show up? This is a cascade effect that will only get worse. Westfield's struggles will pile fresh pressure on city leaders after multiple retailers and hotels shuttered in downtown. San Francisco, uh, downtown San Francisco, as it continues to battle soaring crime, open drug use and homelessness. San Francisco is becoming a crack town. It's be, it is becoming a ghost town. Crazy. These buildings, I mean, look, we're on track for these buildings to become abandoned. And if there's no one, if there's no businesses paying taxes, who's paying the police? 
So then what happens? You're going to have drug users, homeless people taking over the mall, taking over these buildings. They will start to crumble and fall into disrepair. And San Francisco will become a crack town. I don't see anything changing this. Maybe one thing. A long shot. Donald Trump becomes president and sends the feds in to clean this place up and to start enforcing the law at the federal level. And that is a a bit nightmarish. If you realize it's the federalization of this country, it is the it's 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 if the only solution is the federal government stepping in under Donald Trump, then we just end up becoming a solid single nation where states don't matter. A single governing authority over all jurisdictions. That's not a good outcome, but that's where we're, we're uh, that's where we're heading. They say for more than 20 years, Westfield has proudly and successfully operated San Francisco Center. Investing significantly over that time in the vitality of the property, the company said, given the challenging operating conditions in downtown San Francisco, which have led to declines in sales, occupancy and foot traffic. We have made the difficult decision to begin the process of, to transfer management of the shopping center to our lender to allow them to appoint a receiver to operate the property going forward. Who's going to take it on? You think the lender wants to deal with it? You buy a house, as I mentioned in the analogy, imagine you're the bank and they're like, you know what? I surrender. The house is yours. And they're going, ugh. We're not going to be able to sell it. Now we're left holding an empty bag. Granted, they keep the equity in the house, but there's none left. Nobody will buy it. So who's going to receive this? The lender is going to have it and be like, what are we supposed to do with it? Westfield San Francisco Mall includes 1.2 million square feet of retail space and 300,000 square feet of offices. It is in the troubled Union Square area and center of downtown where homelessness and crime are rife. This is just this is crazy. Look at this. Nordstrom recently shuttered a store in San Francisco, citing changing dynamics. Look at this empty image. Nothing there. Nothing. Employees at a Target store in San Francisco recently said it was being robbed as frequently as every 10 minutes. They put every product behind locked, locked cabinets. What's the point, man? You can't salvage this stuff. Oh, you can still buy a suntan lotion, though. Man. Whole Foods, Old Navy, Gap, and Office Depot are just some of the stores in the district to announce that they are closing. Out of the 203 retailers open in 2019 in the Union Square area, just 107 are still operating, a drop of 47% in just a few pandemic-ravaged years. The city is in something of a vicious cycle. Office workers are now working from home, leaving the downtown area significantly quieter and making the empty streets more dangerous. The rise in crime then deters people from entering downtown. And as the downtown empties, the city loses essential tax revenues and the area becomes less appealing. The revenue loss to the city caused a decrease in property tax uh, caused by decreased property taxes could reach $196 million per year. And then who pays the fire department? Who pays for the water? Who pays for the roads? Who pays for the police? It is a cycle and things will only get worse from here. The building which houses the San Francisco Chronicle, a block from the Westfield Mall, faces a 60% vacancy rate by the fall as tenants Yahoo and Autodesk's leases expire. The best case scenario from the modeling expects the cost will be nearer to 100 million in tax losses per year. Wow, man. Look at this one from the Wall Street Journal. Hotel owners start to write off San Francisco as business nosedives. This is the end of a once great American city, a tech hub. 
You know, it's funny if you're a fan of Star Trek, you know that San Francisco is like Starfleet headquarters. Isn't it really funny? San Francisco. And in the future, it's all beautiful. But maybe we are on track to follow that uh, storyline. The storyline in Star Trek was there was a civil war and then there were authoritarian police brought in that were uh, heavily drugged to get them, you know, to keep doing their jobs. And then only later did we improve things. Maybe. I don't see this as the end completely of San Francisco. Because you can't just get rid of these buildings. You can't just get rid of the infrastructure. So long as it exists, there'll be people who want to use it. Why not? But what I see, at some point, no one's going to want to run the Hilton building. Why would they? There's no money to be made. The cost of maintaining this, this is, this is apocalyptic level stuff. Let's break this down. How much does the lender behind the Hilton have to spend every month to maintain the building? It is a lot. So we saw a $1.25 million building in Charleston, West Virginia eight-story building downtown. And I'm like, it'd be so cool to have something like that to create an office, be like Timcast Media, Charleston, West Virginia. And I said, I can't afford to maintain a building like that. 1.2 million is cheap for an eight-story building. But what do you do? Who's in it? And how do you pay for the maintenance on a building like that? Before we bought our current headquarters, there was an 80,000, I think it was 80,000 square foot building. Actually, it might be more than that. I think it was 80,000 square foot uh, factory building on sale for like 700K. And I was like, I would love to buy that. But how do you pay the maintenance costs? You're going to have to fix it up. You're going to have to pay for climate control. You're going to have to pay for, pay for cleanings and plumbing and a building like that. It's insane trying to manage. You need some serious revenue. So we can't do that. The lender behind Hilton, what do you think they're going to say? They're going to be saying, how many staff members are we paying to maintain a building that no one comes to? fire them, let them go. We can't afford it. There's no money. Eventually, it comes down to a single man with a key, the key to the front door. And he says, look, I am not going to be the only person solely responsible for this building. Screw that. And one day they're not going to show up. Then some homeless people start to notice. Places shut down. No one cares anymore. Break a window, walk in, take over the building, watch it fall apart. A large building like this, it seems unprecedented, and maybe it will be. Maybe things will turn around in some way before that happens. But right now, it just feels like with the closing of the mall and these stores, who is going to be there? Who is going to travel there? Nobody. So what happens to the building? If there's no customers, who pays? And if no one pays, how do they pay the staff to maintain the building? Eventually, they'll just have to say, we're out. It'll be really crazy. Urban explorers will go in and they'll go up to like one of the, a random room and open the door and it'll be covered in dust and kind of just frozen in time from this, from this year. And they'll be like, wow, look at this. The bed's still made. Although I have to imagine by that point, if it does get that bad, there'll be so many homeless people living in that building. They're not homeless anymore, <laughs> but there'll be human waste. The plumbing won't work. I've seen stuff like that in foreign countries in a building this big though, man. And think about what that means for the mall. I've seen abandoned malls. It's kind of crazy. We're watching it more and more and more. And you can thank the Democrats for it. I don't understand how you can watch this happen in the news. You can watch what happens in the streets. You can see the violence, the crime, the human waste, the robberies, and people still keep voting Democrat. We're in trouble if that's the case. 
I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a particularly interesting story. And if I were to ask you what winning in the culture war means, how would you define it? What if I said this from foxnews.com? White House condemns trans activist for going topless at Pride Month event, quote, inappropriate and disrespectful. It's very fascinating. It's very fascinating because I did not expect to ever see the White House condemn a trans activist, to be be completely honest. But here we are. There's a lot more to be said about this in an argument actually made by the activist as it pertains to whether or not you're allowed to expose the nipple. Now, this activist did not just whip out their uh, uh, fake breasts. Uh, uh, The the activist covered them uh, um, with their hands. So there's, there's, there's actually a lot to break down on this. The fact the White House is condemning this individual, I think, speaks loudly to the fact that the right is winning the culture war with Bud Light, with Target, with Kohl's, with the desperate and psychotic attempts of leftists and death threats to Target. I think it's fair to say the White House sees the writing on the wall. Let's break this down and I'll explain to you exactly why. There's actually an argument to be made that you can actually go topless in many of these major cities. But decorum was challenged and the White House stood by that, which is more traditional. Let's break it down. First, here's the story. The White House condemned trans activist Rose Montoya for going topless at President Biden's Pride Month event Saturday after a video went viral on social media. Montoya and others featured in the video posted by the trans model will not be invited to future events, a White House spokesperson said in a statement. This behavior is inappropriate and disrespectful for any event at the White House. It is not reflective of the event we hosted to celebrate LGBTQI plus families. Add another letter in there. Or the hundreds, other hundreds of guests who were in attendance. Individuals in the video will not be invited to future events, the statement read. Montoya, a TikTok influencer and biological male who is transgender, originally posted the video from Saturday's event. It shows Montoya and another unnamed, uh, it's actually two trans activists, two females, burying their breasts on the South Lawn of the White House in a view behind them. Let's break this down. They said it's not appropriate for their LGBTQ plus event. Have you ever been to a pride event? They have tons of gratuitous sex. There's a video out of West Hollywood in the Los Angeles area where two men perform a sex act on each other in front of children. I'm not exaggerating. I would I would say to clarify, I don't want to get the wrong idea. It's foreplay, but they have two men engaging in a sex act. So when Joe Biden invited these people to the White House, what did he think was going to happen? But, but, hey, credit where credit's due. They're condemning these actions, condemning them. There's a lot to think about in this regard. Here's the video from Rose Montoya breaking down their views on what happened. I think it's important context. Let's hear it. It has recently come to my attention that conservatives are trying to use the video of me topless at the White House to try to call the community groomers, etc. Full stop. Conservatives? Joe Biden's White House just condemned your actions. That's, those are Democrats, right? And I would just like to say that, first of all, going topless in Washington, D.C. is legal. And I fully support the movement in freeing the nipple because why is my chest now deemed inappropriate or illegal when I show it off? However, before coming out as trans, it was not. 
So this one's actually fairly easy to answer. The White House is not public city streets. You have a right, same as any others under the Constitution, to be treated equally under the law. And that means there is a 14th Amendment violation to say that women have to wear shirts, but men don't. And that was that was the way for a long time. A guy could take his shirt off and show his bare chest. A woman could not. And they said, hey, equality under the law. You can't simply say the chest of a female is not allowed, but a chest of a male is. So what happened? They said, OK, in most of these cities, it is now legal for women to go topless. But culturally, most women don't want to do it. But there's an interesting point being brought up. All you're doing is affirming that I am a woman. All you're doing <laughs> is saying that trans women are women because for some reason, people like to sexualize women's bodies and say that they are inappropriate. I actually agree uh, decently with Rose Montoya on this regard. It is quite strange that a biological male can walk around with no shirt on and nobody bats an eye. That same biological male then gets implants. And now it's all of a sudden like that crosses the line. I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I'm saying it is fascinating to me that the qualifier for what is over the line is whether or not there is some kind of mass behind the nipple. Because uh, I don't know about Rose Montoya, but there are trans people who have implants and people would be like, hey, don't show don't show breasts. Perhaps the idea is it's not so much the nipple, but the idea of bearing breasts. I don't know. I think it is an interesting paradox in that you have two trans men, biological females, showing their bare chests with mastectomy scars. And then you have a trans woman showing what uh, some people are saying is implants. It could be it could be hormone induced breast growth. So they could be, you know, human breasts. I don't know for sure, but I do think there is an interesting question in decorum and the law as it pertains to this. Now, that being said, yo, um, my friend Rose, the condemnation is not just over you. The condemnation is also for the other trans individuals who removed their shirts who are biologically female. Removing your shirt and bouncing the skin and uh, breasts in front of the camera at the White House, all of it is against, it violates decorum. And that's the bigger issue. I love, I love the automatic response of it's conservatives doing it. Uh, okay, dude, like, look, this is the point. What these people view as being conservative is anything related to social order. And unless these people are allowed to do whatever they want and engage in gratuitous sex acts and, and nudity, then you are conservative. Wonderful. Let's hear the, 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 the rest of what the individual has to say. My transmasculine friends were showing off their top surgery scars and living in joy, and I wanted to join them. And because it is perfectly within the law in Washington, D.C., I decided to join them and cover my nipples just to play it safe. And now you will never be invited back again. That's a bold statement right there. The White House saying we're not going to invite these people back. So you mean that if you have a pride event and people there engage in actually uh, behaviors that aren't nearly as bad as we've seen at some of these pride events, you will not invite them back? I find that truly fascinating because there's videos of this individual doing other kinds of, uh, uh, I don't want to say over the top, but adult performances, you know, like. I don't want to make it seem like porn or anything like that, but like not appropriate for children events, to put it to put it mildly. 
they if they did any research into this individual, they would have seen that this is a likely scenario. But they didn't. Well, you learn the hard way, Biden, I guess. Because I wanted to be fully free and myself. I had zero intention of trying to be vulgar or be profane in any way. But you were. I was simply living in joy, living my truth and existing in my body. Happy pride. Existing in your body. Truly, truly a remarkable way to view these things, my friends. In an ordered society, there are things we may want to do, but we don't do. We don't do in public. You may have to go to the bathroom. You don't do it in public. Okay, not the same as getting naked. You may want to passionately engage in lovemaking with your wife, but we don't do it in public. There are a lot of things we don't do in public. You want to live your true self? Yes. Every person has privacy and rights to live outside of the, of the public view. And there are a lot of things that people would like to do they don't do in public for a variety of reasons. You decided that you had a right to live however you wanted. Well, surprise, surprise, the White House said no. You've deeply offended them. You've deeply offended many people. It's not just conservatives. Many people are offended. You don't just get to live how you want, as if no one else matters and no one else exists. Democracy is us choosing to live together and work together and compromise. You do not get to go out and assert you are paramount and you get to do whatever you want. We all work together and accept there are boundaries so that we can live together. But this is indicative of what we've seen at many of these pride events. People who think that their pleasure supersedes everyone else. No, that's not democracy. And these people break the law quite a bit. Now, it is legal to go topless in D.C. That's my understanding. Could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's that's correct. But there are people at pride events, say, in California, performing sex acts on each other. Why aren't the police arresting them? I, I got all day officers. Why aren't you arresting them? Because they're all complicit in this. They allow people to break the law. But then you realize when you see these things, the law always was culturally enforced, not legally enforced. Very rarely in history has it been an issue of, I'm sorry, the law is making me do it. It happens a lot. Don't get me wrong. Some of the most heinous things in history. What I mean to say is, though, there are laws in the books today that are never enforced. And there's and for why aren't the cops arresting people over these things? You can look up these books of old laws where it's like you can't uh, uh, pull a bale of uh, uh, hay down on Sunday at noon. You can't put a pie on your window. That's my favorite one. You can't put a pie on your windowsill Sundays in the afternoon. It was apparently because it attracted bears or something. You really think a cop's going to arrest someone because they have a pie on their windowsill? Ain't never going to happen. But it's on the books. You see, the real issue is cultural enforcement. In California, we can all look at these the things they're doing, and we can be shocked and say, this breaks the law. Why aren't they stopping it? Because the culture there doesn't support the enforcement of those laws. Welcome to the modern era. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around, and I'll see you all shortly. I must admit, my friends, as much as I don't like Starbucks as a corporation for a lot of reasons, they're the only coffee shop that carries heavy cream. Okay, there are some small boutique shops here and there that often do have heavy whipping cream. There's one uh, over in Harper's Ferry. It's absolutely fantastic. They carry uh, uh, heavy whipping cream. I very much enjoy real cream in my coffee. No sugar, just cream. 
I don't like going to Starbucks, though, because they're big, they're corporate, they're awful, they have a terrible history. But now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you this. I think I'm going to start ordering Starbucks uh, uh, more than I already do from the New Republic. Starbucks to take down all pride decorations in disgusting cave to far right. The decision all but guarantees further attacks on LGBTQ people and culture. Yo, this is huge. What? Talk about winning the culture war. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bud Light effect is ripping through the marketplace. Starbucks has banned pride decorations in its stores halfway through Pride Month. The company's workers union revealed Tuesday in a stunning cave to far right anti-LGBTQ fury. I love how they describe it. There has been a wave wave of ultra-conservative pushback against companies that express support for equal rights. It started when Bud Light did a campaign with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney in March. But things really kicked off when Target displayed its Pride Swimmer collection. Target said it would pull back its Pride merchandise in response to the outcry. Starbucks is the latest to fall. I'd like you all to give yourselves a round of applause here. Uh, Starbucks is here. Uh, Kellogg's is next because uh, we have this story from Newsweek. Kellogg's faces boycott calls after mascot poses with Dylan Mulvaney. Okay, the mascot posed with Dylan Mulvaney in a very obvious staged little spoof thing where Dylan goes, oh, oh, I'm so scared. And it's like, it's it's a character. It is a performance. It is not real life. But anyway, people are calling for a Kellogg's boycott. That's next. But back to Starbucks. Starbucks Workers United tweeted, breaking. In the middle of Pride Month, Starbucks bans pride decorations in stores across the United States. Look at their uh, (laughs) be gay and organize is their uh, is their uh, uh, avatar, their profile picture. Quote, the last two weeks, Starbucks workers have taken to social media to report the company is no longer allowing pride decorations in store. The Starbucks Workers Union tweeted. The Starbucks out by me, to be completely honest, they don't have any pride decorations. Starbucks has always adopted a pro-LGBTQ stance, at least in public. This year, they even partnered with artist Tim Singleton to design a series of special pride-themed tumblers. But according to the union, the company has decided that all pride decorations must come down, even in unionized stores, where Starbucks normally argues it can't make sweeping changes without first discussing it with workers. I... <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than I'm going to start ordering a lot more Starbucks periodically. You're at Timcast. We'll do a big Starbucks order. And uh, I, I have to talk about this. Look, I, I, I talk about how I'm not a big fan. I would love to create a rival. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they, when it comes to the, the uh, it's really the heavy cream. I got to be completely honest. The ease of access and everything. It's that simple. But uh, I, I've never been as so staunchly opposed to Starbucks as say like Disney or anything like that. But this right here, my friends, I got to tell you, I am going to buy more Starbucks, you know, and I'm saying like, like, I think like six times we've done big Starbucks orders for the crew and everybody here just because it's simple and easy. But uh, I think I think it's the right move. I think uh, Starbucks saying, look, we're not playing this game. We're stepping back from this. We don't I think we absolutely right now need to say to Starbucks, thank you. This is the right move. And I, like, here's the issue, right? You see how they try and frame this as if we are opposed to equality or anything like that. Well, I don't know about, I can't speak for all conservatives. Uh, I'm in favor of equality. I'm just not in favor of you trying to indoctrinate kids. And that's where things have crossed the line. I had absolutely no problem with pride flags and windows. 
until you started putting these graphic books in schools and defending it. I had no problem with people celebrating their love for one another, but y'all show up in public naked and engaging in sexualized behavior like the White House just condemned. And now I'm saying, make it stop. No. Starbucks said, you know what? The market dictates. And that's the power right there. So when Mark Cuban says it's good business to get woke, why then, Mark, are all of these companies pushing back and abandoning these practices? Mm. Maybe it's because you're wrong. Here we go. They say, the union also noted this not the first time Starbucks has failed to stand up for LGBTQ people, including its own employees. In October, some trans Starbucks workers found that their health benefit plan had changed, forcing them to pay out of pocket for certain treatments and causing them to lose access to certain providers, according to Starbucks Worker United. Starbucks had not replied to a new Republic request for comment by time of publication. It would be understandable for Starbucks to suddenly grow wary over, uh, of overt pride displays, considering how bad the right wing rage has become. Target stores in five different states received bomb threats over the weekend that had to be evacuated. Isn't that quite amazing how the New Republic manipulates lies, cheats and steals? They were evacuated, the bomb threats, not because of the right, but because of the left. Ah, the Washington Post's ridiculous headline that doesn't actually explain what's really going on. In reality, as they do go on to explain, the individuals who uh, made the bomb threats are actually LGBTQ. The unknown senders said Target betrayed the LGBTQ plus community and are pathetic cowards who bowed to the wishes of far right extremists. That's right. The New Republic lying. Surprise, surprise. You know what evil looks like? The left is evil. These people are it's 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 figuratively demonic. I always say figuratively because when you say demons, the, the media and the left will be like, they actually believe in demons. No, I am saying you represent malevolence, lying, cheating and stealing. Look at this. They, they, they're referring to the bomb threats as right wing rage, when in fact the bomb threats came from the left. Incredible. But there had been no such fury directed at Starbucks. So instead, the company has prematurely caved to anticipated anger. In doing so, they have given so much more power to the far right. Now, homophobic and transphobic people know that their words and actions hold weight and that companies will run scared from them. And so they'll keep up the attacks. New Republic. You're on the wrong side of history. Starbucks, they're on the right side of history. Target, right side of history. And that's why the far left is screaming and threatening violence. It's the only thing they can do. Dangerous, unhinged psychopaths who lie. I mean, you can see it right here when they say how bad the right wing rage has become and then reference bomb threats that were in fact made by leftists. Incredible, isn't it? It's right before your eyes what the corporate press and the left do. Lie, cheat, steal for power. No, I don't agree with that. I won't stand by it. So you know what? I'm a big Starbucks fan right now. But uh, uh, to be honest, you don't need to go to Starbucks. You, know, you, you should need to go to castbrew.com and buy our delicious, unique blends. Our Castbrew coffee. We're just ramping up the new company. We're here to say no to these woke corporations. But you know what? The parallel economy may be doing its job. We launched Cast Brew Coffee. 
The Daily Wire, uh, Daily Wire's Jeremy Boring launches Jeremy's razors as well as Jeremy's chocolate. And we do this because if woke companies want to get woke, then we'll make alternatives. But then something happens. You had Seth Weathers launching Conservative Dad's Ultra Right Beer in response to Bud Light. And they got, I think, like, what, 50 million views? <laughs> 50 million views on their ad. And he sold an absurd amount of beer. You see, I think companies like Starbucks are starting to get the picture. Bud Light sales collapse and new rivals emerge to fill the gap. Why would any one of these companies want to sacrifice their market share for any reason? Are LGBTQ people going to stop going to Starbucks? Perhaps. And this is where it gets interesting. It's the cost benefit analysis of major corporations. And I assure you what likely happened is the consultants sat down and they said, how big is our LGBTQ market share? And they said 8%. Actually, probably 3%. But we're not just talking about the LGBTQ community. We're talking about liberals who want to support this as well. And they said, okay, how many customers will we lose if we pull these flags? I got to be honest. Most liberals probably don't really care and they're not going to abandon Starbucks. They'll still buy your coffee. Okay, how many customers will we lose if we put the pride flags up? Well, look at Bud Light, 30% maybe. And you're going to have very serious issues in more suburban and rural areas. So Starbucks goes, okay, so there's no real benefit to putting up pride flags? Not that we can see. You're not going to lose the customers you already have. You're not going to gain any customers by doing it. You're only creating a divisive political issue. Okay, pull them. And that's it's that simple. Boycotts have worked. Congratulations. This one's big. Thank you, Starbucks. I will enjoy myself a cold brew with heavy cream uh, first thing in the morning. Uh, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out and we'll see you all then.